1: You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts, the Star Trek podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your regular host, Derek, and I have with me my recurring guest host, Zach. Hi, Zach.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Good. Good. How are you? You know what? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well,
1: all things considered. I'm happy to be talking to Trek.
0: Yes, me too. We missed last week, so we have a special doubleheader episode For you this week. This week, we will be covering two different episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks. We will begin with episode eight, Veritas, and then follow that up with a discussion on episode nine, Crisis Point, on a special Tuesday release date of Red Shirts and <laughs> Runabouts. We uh, we had a little bit of a schedule change because, well, uh, frankly, I have a kid now and I didn't have a kid like two weeks ago. So <laughs> yeah, they do tend
1: to change things.
0: A little bit, a little bit. My, my first kid, a daughter, she was born uh, last Friday. Um, and so, well, not last Friday, I guess two Fridays ago, however you want to position that. Yeah. The 25th of september and so we we did not record the night before because the wife and i ray who's been on the show with us many many times were in the hospital trying to uh to bring our child into the world and we didn't uh didn't get to this on time either because we're still kind of getting in the swing of things so no live stream or anything like that just zach and and i finding time so to talk to talk Trek so yeah uh, for those who are curious not to provide like too much personal information but we did give our daughter a very Star Trek nerdy name that you did and that is Kira so the little major and um, (laughs) (laughs) I made that joke on Twitter and a lot of people were like "Uh, no you should call her Colonel and my thought process is I think it's a little early for her to be (laughs) promoted to Colonel yeah
1: Shane's earned that rank,
0: <laughs> right? I mean, if Harry Kim is an ensign for seven years, I think we can give Kira here a little bit of time as a major. Yeah, yeah. But the name does have a second meaning. It's also the name of the female Gelfling in the Dark Crystal film. From oh, the that's right. Yeah. That's so there's a little right. bit of fantasy in there as well from our childhood and, and all that good stuff. So, yeah,
1: very perfect.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's weird because it's COVID. And so like we have to be very careful about who can see her, who can come over. During the hospital stay, it was very restrictive, only one guest at a time, uh, in addition to myself. And so only parents could come to the hospital and uh, no children under 14. So none of the nieces or nephews were old enough to come anyway. Right. You know, so we're slowly getting our family in my, my little brother who lives in town and and his, uh, my sister-in-law, they got to meet her and raise a brother and sister-in-law and a couple, a niece and a nephew got to meet her, but we still have two more nephews and a niece and a sister and you know, my, my two older brothers who are out of town, all of the friends too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's hard to meet your daughter. (laughs) It's so hard because of this COVID stuff, man. Like, it is it is. Because we've been pretty well quarantined. I work from home. Ray's mm-hmm. been really isolated at work, and so we, uh, we do curbside pickup for, for our groceries, and everything else is delivered. We, we don't go in places, so other than like yeah. doctors' visits, we haven't been indoors out you know in other places, so right. Um, I have yeah. my
1: one grocery outing a week. If I, you know, and it's usually curbside unless I, you know, just forget to put the order in and it, I start running out of things that I need to get. So I'm like, well, shit, guess I'm putting on a mask and going out. But but yeah, I, and I've got kids too, you know, for those of you listening, you don't know, uh, and they're both in school. And so I, I have, you know, not to get too far off topic, but we're living in weird times. And so now like my kids are, they're back in physical school and they're excited about it. I'm not excited about it. And I kind of feel like <laughs> all of the months that I spent not going anywhere, quarantining appropriately, wearing a mask, like I kind of, to me, it feels like it was all for naught. I mean, it looks like the school is doing a really good job with uh, social distancing and with wearing a mask. But, you know, every time I see my daughters, I have to, I have to wonder, you know, you know, have they been exposed? Am I about to be exposed by the fact that, you know, we're hanging out now? So it's, it's an interesting dynamic to wrestle with.
0: Yeah, I'm completely with you there for sure. Uh, We took things very seriously from the get-go mainly because you know uh ray ray was pregnant and we there was so little information on how that would be impacted so we've taken it very very seriously and we've got some older parents and stuff who are higher risk and and things of that nature so yeah we'll we'll have to see what what happens here but uh that's 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 enough of that i guess we can move on to, to other things there's no real star trek news For us to cover this week, but there was a trailer for something that I'm gonna consider Star Trek adjacent (laughs) that I thought we could talk about. And it's actually out now. It came out on October 2nd, but the movie is called Save Yourselves exclamation point at the end. And it is a I guess a sci-fi comedy that I'm just gonna read the synopsis from imdb here and then we can talk about the trailer but a young brooklyn couple heads to an upstate cabin cabin excuse me to unplug from their phones and reconnect with each other blissfully unaware of their surroundings they are left to their own devices as the planet falls under attack and so moral of the story is there's a trailer out for it now that you can watch and it looks like the planet is invaded by giant tribbles
1: yeah that was i had the exact same first thought when i saw the trailer. So <laughs> not, not exactly the, the most terrifying apocalypse, but an apocalypse nonetheless.
0: It's, it's weird, right? Cause this is something that like, it's so out of left field. Cause you watch the trailer and it's okay. This company, this couple's trying to disconnect from the world, you know, take a step back from their phones and all of that. And I totally understand that. And then there's an alien invasion. So your mind has a thought process of what that might look like, right? There's right. war of the worlds or signs or what have you. And it's not nothing like that. It's just giant fuzzballs. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely not
1: not what I was expecting.
0: Yeah, right. It's really, it's really, really weird. So
1: is it a like limited release? Are
0: they like trying to
1: put this in theaters or is it streamable or purchasable somewhere?
0: So it did hit theaters as limited as that may be because it only brought in, well, like 140 grand. Uh give or take now we don't have this weekend's numbers yet because it it, like fully uh because it came out on the second so you know that could that could change obviously but um you know it i think it's coming to some streaming services if i remember correctly um it's a sundance film so you know yeah i'm just gonna look real quick let's see save yourselves streaming let's just Let's do some Googling while we're here and see what happens. Uh, on demand. So you could probably buy it. Yeah. You can get it through Amazon via on demand. Oh, okay. So if you wanted to do that, so there you go. There i might you go.
1: i might. I'm not, I don't have any interest in going into a theater anytime soon, which, you know, we've talked about this before. I, I have mixed feelings because I miss the theater and it's a, it's a important experience. And yet um, I just can't justify the risk at this point.
0: I'm with you. And, you know, the, kind of tangential right at this point, because we're just talking about movies. But uh, Regal is a, is looking to close down all their theaters again in the U.S. and the U.K. after yeah. James Bond pushed to 2021, which was basically the last major film not to push. Now, Wonder Woman's like Christmas now that delayed till Christmas. But yeah. I see that pushing, too. I don't think I oh, yeah. see anything else. Well, after yes, Tenant, yeah.
1: after Tenant bombed and not for being a bad film, but just because no one was going to the theaters um, after Tenant bombed, uh, I, I, I felt like, yeah, there's we're probably not going to see anything in theaters new uh, in the near future.
0: Yeah. I mean, Bill and Ted Face the Music made almost as much on video on demand sales as Tenant has in its theater run. Right. Right. You know, so and I would have rented or, or purchased Tenant to, to see it at home. I was curious about if I'm not going to go to a theater.
1: No, just no. not happening. But what are you gonna no. do? What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, taking it one day at a time and, and the apocalypse. <laughs> our our apocalypse is less cute than the uh, the one in Save Yourselves appears to be.
0: Right, right. I'd rather be fighting giant tribbles, frankly. But yeah, same. So the only other thing I want to talk about in our quote kind of news segment here is I've started rewatching some other Star Trek stuff. So Ray and I finished up ds9 and we've started voyager which is cool we're a few episodes probably like nine nine-ish episodes into voyager we just saw Excellent. spoiler alert for season one of voyager but we just saw the episode where it turns out seska is a undercover cardassian
1: yeah yeah I remember you know that.
0: And Chakotay's got that great question to Tuvok about, you know, you were working for Starfleet. She was working for the Cardassians. Was anybody working for me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I feel so bad for him. Uh Uh-huh. And I, uh, so with the newborn at home, Ray and I are kind of swapping sleeping a bit. And so in the middle of the night when I need to keep myself awake, I decided to rewatch Discovery. Yeah, yeah. And I've only watched it really the one time. Mm-hmm. So I decided to rewatch it, and I'm really I'm four episodes in. If you include if you include the the first two as two separate episodes, the, the premiere is two chunks. Sure. And I'm really enjoying it the second time around. Yeah. And I think there's two main reasons for it. Reason number one is I already know what's going to happen, so all the expectations are gone. Mm-hmm. Right. The episode can't disappoint me or blow me away at this point. Right. What? And then on top of that, I'm not prepping for a podcast.
1: Yeah, that that makes a big difference.
0: Right. Because like when you're when you're prepping for a podcast, especially the way that I do my podcast is with a critical eye. I don't want to be too fluff. I don't want to be too nice and too, too sugarcoated on things. I think that it's important if you're a fan of something to to be critical of it because nothing is perfect. Right. But it also means you start, especially after doing this for as long as I have, is you really start looking for things to kind of nitpick yeah, or complain about, you know, the spark sure. conversation. And so now I don't have to do that. And so I've uh-huh. decided to kind of like live tweet, so to speak, my rewatch experience. So at the Star Trek dude on Twitter, you can see I've, I've already been doing that quite a bit and uh, not to uh, toot my own horn, but Doug Jones liked one of my tweets. So oh,
1: <laughs> moving on up.
0: He and is a wonderful man.
1: I was going to say, this isn't your first interaction with Doug Jones either. You've interviewed him.
0: I did. Yeah. When he was here for a convention a few years ago, uh, right when Discovery was just coming out. Yeah. and So he couldn't say much about it at the time because, you know, so mm-hmm. many you know, NDA type things, but he is a wonderful human being across the board i don't care what you want to talk to him about he is a wonderful person and so you know that was fun but yeah so i'm really enjoying my discovery rewatch it's really cool and i'm not like binging it per se but watching like two episode chunks kind of back-to-back nights feels really good too yeah so you know yeah
1: i'm glad you're enjoying it uh yeah, I, I've I've only watched season one of Discovery twice. I did do a rewatch after after it all aired, just kind of binge the whole season at once. Um, and you know what? Honestly, I think I've actually seen that one three times because I think I also rewatched it again right before season two. Mm. But I've only seen season two the once, and I've been meaning to do a rewatch of, of both seasons. But I'm kind of I I'd hope to get it done before Discovery season three. But you know, we're right. kind of running short on time now.
0: Well, that's the thing like because the seasons kept getting delayed i was like well i'll just i'll I'll hold off then and i'll do my rewatch closer and then the shows come out and i never get get around to it (laughs) right right you know and with with ray i'm trying to expose her to more star trek because she's seen discovery with me she's seen picard and lower decks with me but i had seen everything else obviously prior and so we did our ds9 watch now we're doing voyager and so that takes up a, a, a good chunk of time when you've got 25 ish episode seasons
1: it does it really does and I I mean I I try and balance my time between watching new shows and watching old shows so like right now I've got a lot of my docket for new shows there's lower decks which is only half hour every week so it's not that bad but then you've got shows like the boys which is an hour every week and I can't even remember what else I I was watching raised by wolves and that's another almost hour every week
0: well at least the boys is short right it's only like eight episodes a season. It is.
1: It is. Yeah. So so that is a limited time and, and it'll be wrapped up just enough time to to focus on discovery every week. <laughs>
0: so, right, yeah, cuz we're we're almost we're what like 2 weeks away. Yeah. From discovery. So then
1: right. And then like I'm rewatching old shows. So like I mean I did finish a DS9 rewatch not too terribly long ago and I'm rewatching Chuck right now. Woo! Um yeah, good and it's aged well. It's good stuff. Um re- you know, that's another nerd adjacent topic, but uh you know, and I want to rewatch *Battlestar Galactica*, which is also Trek adjacent. But you know, it just—it's hard finding the time and balancing it between, you know, old shows, new shows, video games, you know, movies. It's—it's mm. it's October, so I'm gonna be watching a bunch of scary movies. So.
0: Oh sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah. We watched *Beetlejuice*, so I'm gonna watch *Ghostbusters* later tonight. Yeah. Maybe, but maybe yeah. *Ghostbusters* too if I have the time sure you know sure. i started watching the real ghostbusters the cartoon
1: yeah yeah i remember and, it fondly i don't know if i would like it now though
0: well because i had only remembered like still images from it like so when i picture the ecto the ecto one uh-huh. i picture the cartoon version of the ecto one sure right and you know i remember slimer being a really big part of it and the in- the mm-hmm. intro is great and all of that Um, And so I I decided to for four for four dollars, I could buy the first volume on Amazon. So I decided to check that out.
1: Yeah. Why the hell not?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cheap. But anyway, I feel like we've gone off on a lot of tangents here. (laughs) So so let's let's steer things back to the Star Trek universe. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will be talking Star Trek Lower Decks Episode eight Veritas. all right we are back talking veritas episode eight of star trek lower decks so we're a little behind on the curve for this one so that's why we're doing our double header here so veritas this episode is really weird and has a lot of (laughs) strange aspects to it it does that we can kind of get out of the way um so clearly what and spoiler alerts for episode eight Of lower decks here but clearly we're supposed to believe that you know this is a trial right it looks exactly like the klingon courtroom from undiscovered country yeah complete with like the klingon-esque judge who's got the weird sphere gavel you know that Uh sparks uh it looks exactly like that they're clearly not klingons but that's what this is supposed to be right
1: right and the the bridge crew is all like stuck in a tractor beam like you know it doesn't seem like it, it definitely seems like a courtroom situation.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really weird. And part of me was skeptical of that at first. Cause I'm like, well, this looks so much like the Klingon courtroom that like something felt off about it. Right. You know, And I, I never would have guessed what the actual twist is or anything like that. So I'm not, yeah, I'm, not, I'm no genius here, but it just was weird to me the whole time. I'm like, this looks exactly like the Klingons, but they're not Klingons. So they're trying really hard to make it look like it's something that it's not. Yeah, absolutely. So like at any point, did you, did you guess that they were just totally wrong and everything was fine?
1: I didn't. And I realized, so I'm really good. Annoyingly. I annoy people with this. I mean, I, I can predict the end of things fairly often and, but it has to be an hour long episode or like a movie or something because I have more time to like sit with it. But like with these half hour shows, it happens so fast. I had no clue where it was going to go. And I was just on, on for the ride so i didn't know it was gonna happen gotcha
0: gotcha yeah i'm with you i I really didn't either it was really a fun story and i liked i I think this episode really personifies what lower decks means yes right because we've got our main four mariner boimler attendee and rutherford and they each get to tell their story about what was going on during what is clearly a very important mission right right we're dealing with romulans and vulcans and cloaking devices covert operations and our four you know lovely lower deckers have no freaking clue what's going on around them
1: not a bit yeah least of all um uh shoot uh the guy with the implants rutherford Um, rutherford least of all rutherford because he's going through an update and that his is one of my favorites because it just (laughs) jumped around so much oh man
0: i was gonna ask you if you had a favorite because i think rutherford's is my favorite as well
1: yeah they were all good none of them were bad but yeah rutherford's was was probably my favorite
0: yeah so the the premise for his is so he's got the the robotic implant right Uh, the vulcan implant and apparently he can take updates to get new information you know, so like tactical training or Klingon fonts, which is one that happens later in the episode, <laughs> um, which was, was great. And just like any computer system, he has to reboot once the update is complete. And just as, like, as a techie, I found it really fun because like it doesn't give him an option to restart later. It just reboots in the middle of whatever is happening. And he right. keeps waking up after the events of this. So it's almost like he's in like a sleeper agent mode. Mm hmm you he know black,
1: blacks out and comes to and they tell him what he did like you know <laughs> fighting fighting all of the the Vulcans which as a side note I, I was interested if you caught this or if you had thoughts on this there is that moment where like he comes to and there's all the Vulcans on the floor and um uh bridge crew the Bajoran bridge crew guy I am like my, my brain is uh Shax, shacks yeah Shaxx,
0: yep.
1: yeah so shacks um makes the comment about Spock and Spock over there and I'm like ooh, is that is that racist? Like there's just two <laughs> two Vulcans and you're just referring to them as Spock because that's the most famous Vulcan, maybe the only one you've ever met. I mean
0: I mean, I think I think it's supposed to be a little bit racist, yeah. Because, that's I mean that's what I thought. Which was Star- just
1: surprising for Starfleet.
0: Oh, but it's not though. Star Trek's been like that forever. I mean, look at like O'Brien, for example.
1: That's true. The damn Cardi's. Right.
0: You know, or the way the original series handled, you know, Klingons, the way Scotty would talk about Klingons and and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good point. Star Trek has always had somebody say something kind of racist about an alien species. Sometimes it's very overt. Don't get me wrong, but you know, look at bones. I mean, the way bones interacts with Spock on almost an episodic basis is very racist.
1: That is true, that is true, and I mean, they work to overcome issues like racism, but I guess I don't know you're you're right. It always is there kind of on the fringes still,
0: yeah, exactly, and it's never like framed as a positive way to to think and communicate.
1: No, it's not glorified,
0: you know, but it's definitely there. So sticking with the Vulcans, though, the Vulcan ship was really cool to see because that's a design that you don't get to see much, but you do get to see very early on in Star Trek because that's the ship design that Spock shows up in in the motion picture.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So that was really cool to see. I I mean, it's not the only time we've seen that ship design, but it is a, a rare sight. So that was pretty cool. That was cool. We also get to see the Romulan bird of prey uh, from the uh, 23rd century from the original series, which personally is one of my favorite star uh, starship designs in Star Trek.
1: Really? I do like it that is. one a lot. I hadn't. I don't know if I'd ranked them, though. That's that's a good point, though. I like that one.
0: It, I mean, it, I've never like sat down and really did like a ranked order or anything, but this one and the D7 battle cruiser that the Klingons have during the same time period are just two very iconic styles that i think still hold up really well yeah for a spaceship you know obviously if they were done you know with modern technology and not like plastic on strings but you know you know what i mean the designs really hold up they do they do so we have tendy's mission which she accidentally becomes part of a covert operation as the cleaner which is a kind of a funny mob mafia kind of joke in there because she's literally cleaning she's like actually lint rolling the seats in the conference room uh-huh yeah and she gets to be part of like this covert group and she's redacting information which i thought was hilarious the way they handled the redactions in this
1: like redacting the eyes while she's telling the story <laughs> and then my favorite part of, of her whole story was she gets to the end and the, this alien species, I can't remember what they were called, but uh, they basically say there's no way you could have done this. And she kind of links, exactly.
0: <laughs> and, you know, she gets she uh, she's just supposed to transport them away, but ends up in this like this full martial arts battle and just kicking Romulan ass, which yeah. is just great, because like Tendi is this very cute, sweet, you know, innocent little character. Right. But she's actually also a total badass. And this is an opportunity for them to show that
1: yeah i agree that was was a lot of fun
0: so then we have boimler and mariner stories which don't really for me hold up like quite as exciting as rutherford attendees stories no they were less memorable was there anything that stood out from either of those that you want to touch on um
1: i'm looking over my notes now i took uh I, I did like the, the reappearance of the Salt Vampire, and I, I liked uh, in Mariner's story where she's trying to warn um, uh, uh, Ransom about the Salt Vampire. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, no, no big deal. And, <laughs> you know, so in and, and her, whole, her whole story, there was the point that um, uh, the, the bridge crew is not infallible and, the, you know, the, the lower decks crew often clean up their messes which of course struck a nerve with this alien species that is, you know, awkwardly trying to praise this crew for their good work.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, and, and honestly, and this isn't even part of Boimler's story, but one of my favorite moments of the episode was when Boimler uh, gives this impassioned defense of the bridge crew and their humanity after Towards getting some end. pushback. Yeah. yeah.
0: That so was nice. That a lot. Yeah. It was, it was a powerful speech. That's for sure. And You know, so there is some funny stuff in so You have you have the whole Q aspect. Right. Right. For which which was interesting. So, you know, they've they've talked about how we were going to see some veteran characters show up in lower decks. And we're on episode eight here of, of nine of 10 for for the first season. And we didn't have anybody until now. So John Delancey comes back to voice Q and of course, John Delancey does lots of voice work, whether it's for my little pony where he voices discord or you know, documentaries like on the history channel and things of that nature.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, he narrated a video game I played forever ago that I don't remember what it was called, but it was basically portal, but not portal. It was like a first person puzzle game hmm. and he was in your head the whole time, like helping you, but also maybe not, you know, it was very Q like maybe he's just in your head you know what that could be that could be
0: <laughs> so he so he was the first one to show up it was kind of fun kind of silly i thought like maybe they could have done more with that role it just seemed a little like because it's animated they went as ridiculous as possible
1: yes yes they did
0: <laughs> right but but at the same time having him do the same trial stuff that he put the enterprise on in the very beginning of encounter at farpoint Mm-hmm. right and so like i don't know i felt like they wanted to just do some crazy stuff that they couldn't do in live action but also keep it grounded with tng at the same time
1: yeah and they nailed it i mean and speaking of tng and the rest of the original series i mean this like the, the rest of the show was just full of, of references i mean boimler's impassioned speech at the end was you know she's going off and she's like this is a sham of a trial drumhead." <laughs> <laughs> there's just so many like little moments like that even um in, back in mariner's story one of my favorite moments was um with uh lieutenant commander billups and he's like passing out and um you know sick and, and he, or what i don't know if it was i don't remember what was happening at the moment but he was he was not doing well he was sick he was he had oxygen poisoning or whatever it was and uh he's delirious and he says tasha no garbage bag behind you <laughs> which is of course a reference to uh tasha's death yeah season one of next gen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh and i mean uh, my favorite reference maybe in this whole episode was very early on where um and, it, and this is one that like i've watched it twice now and it doesn't stick in my memory as well because it jumps around so much so it's like i remember this thing that happened but i don't remember the context because it just it jumps around so much but There was a quote early on where they were, um, someone was complaining about uh, how Earth is boring and there's nothing to do at Earth other than drink wine and eat at soul food restaurants, (laughs) which is, of course, a reference to Picard's Winery and uh, Cisco's father's uh, soul food restaurant. Yep. Absolutely.
0: I liked, so Tiana, Dr. Tiana uh, has a moment where they're really referencing that uh, the TNG episode, Remember Me which is a crusher episode.
1: Yes. yes. I
0: love, I love that episode. And so Tiana's like, nobody, nobody remembers me captain. Like nobody knows who I am. And it turns out that Tiana just went on the wrong ship and everyone basically has a doppelganger.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was good.
0: Uh, If you've never seen the, the remember me episode of TNG, it is a very, very good crusher episode. And I highly recommend it to people um there's also i guess we we you know jumping around unfortunately but back going like back to rutherford's, right going back to rutherford's thing he does if we're talking about references there is the fan dance
1: yes that's right that's right
0: which is absolutely hilarious to me because the the fan dance from the final frontier film really like stands out as a weird thing in star trek that you've never really seen before or again
1: yeah until now. So.
0: Now, now now you get it yeah if so it was ever going to come
1: back again. This was the occasion for it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. There's, uh, you know, references to Remens, which we don't really get to see much of outside of Nemesis. We, mm-hmm. you know, so we got to see Romulans, we got to see Vulcans. We, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in this episode, obviously. So they had a ton of ground to cover, and there's a lot of little Easter eggs and references throughout this whole episode. There's some cool voice stuff in here. So Kenneth Mitchell who played Cole on star Trek discovery actually voices a couple of characters in this episode, neither of which are Cole. So that's kind of <laughs> neat. So they, they bring that. Him. That's cool. Yeah. So like, you know, you, and, and we also have Kurt Ward Smith who has played several characters in star Trek over the years. Uh, he's the president of the Federation in, uh, in, in yes. undiscovered country, which again, another undiscovered country kind of reference. He's, uh, oh, what's his name um, from year of hell uh, Anorax from year of hell from voyager he's played a couple other characters and so that's pretty cool to ha- to have that voice actor back so while q is the first like recurring character to actually return we have had other actors who've been in star trek voice new characters
1: yeah and that's that's really cool and you know star trek as a franchise is no stranger to recurring guest stars there's a lot of people who you know have various roles um the guy who played uh and i'm drawing such a blank today the guy who played in first contact um uh Zefram Cochran he had another number of roles on TNG as well too
0: oh sure absolutely so it's you know yeah
1: the the Star Trek is a franchise you know if if they like you as an actor like they kind of they want you back (laughs) because you know how it works and you know, maybe they, they're they fun to hang out with Offset, Who knows? But I do. I like that.
0: Mm-hmm. It's fair. That's I think that's fair. So it's it's a fun episode. I liked the resolution for the most part. I like that he was like renting out essentially a, like a convention center or a uh um, mm-hmm. Drawing a blank on the type of work, like it's a multi-purpose room kind of thing, you know, that like when you yeah. rent out like a gazebo at a park for a birthday party or something like that, right? You know, it's basically that. And like, "You only rented it for twenty-two minutes." <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know? Yeah, and the uh, the big scary guy who we think is the judge is just like a father trying to drop off a birthday cake. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so definitely funny stuff that like you really could only do on lower decks. And I think that's part of the key here is if you're going to do an animated Star Trek series and you're going to make it comedic, do some things that you just couldn't do on a regular episode of Star Trek. And this is a great example of that. You're not going to be able to do all of the stuff that Q does, right? You're not going to be able to do all of these different mission elements because of budget issues. You're not going to do this silly over the top twist at the end where it's a kid's birthday party, you know, waiting Mm -hmm. or whatever on an, on like an episode of voyager or enterprise like it's just never going to work like that and no. i think that's why this episode hits really well because mm-hmm. it's very specifically lower decks
1: yeah one might even say that lower decks uh boldly goes where no other Trek show can ah ah, ah see what i did there <laughs> <laughs> but and I liked Q showing up again at the end. And this episode, that was, as we've said a few times, jumps around a lot. It's very random. It's very fast. There's a lot happening. Um, and I love when Q shows up again. And Boylan was just like, we're done with random stuff today. We are done with your bullshit Q.
0: <laughs> we just don't have time for this. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really good. Definitely. And it's
1: it, it's funny to see these characters not taking Q seriously, because if you're watching Next Generation, you know Q shows up, it's gonna be a wild episode, it's gonna be fun, but this is a threat that needs to be dealt with, and it's, you know, usually Picard having to deal with this annoyance, but, you know, he shows up, I mean, he shows up on Deep Space Nine, and Cisco just lays him out flat, and uh, Voyager obviously had some interactions with him as well, but he shows up on Lower Decks, and then the Lower Decks crew are like, yeah, no, like, I've had a long day, there's enough else going on, like, you can get the hell out of here. (laughs) And like his feelings were hurt. Like he wanted to play, and like you know, lower decks especially, or the Cerritos in general, they were they were just not having it. So
0: mm-hmm. I poor Q. That. He just yeah, he's yeah. Just trying to make some friends.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Is there anything else about this episode that stands out, good or bad, that you want to touch on before we move on?
1: No, that about covers all of my thoughts for for Veritas.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Cool. Well, yeah, so there's a ton of stuff in here. Obviously, there's references to Khan and some other episodes of TNG and, and other mm-hmm. things. There's, Oh, man, we didn't even talk about the Gorn wedding.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: You know, like we, we rarely get to see Gorn in Star Trek because there's they're visually very complex and expensive to make. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so these were very classic style Gorn, original series era Gorn, which was pretty fun to see, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So that was really cool. But there's just, yeah, there's a ton and ton of Easter eggs in here. And not that there aren't any in the next episode that we're going to be talking about, but I think this one, because it's four discrete stories really had an opportunity to spread the wealth of all the little, little Easter eggs.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Awesome. All right. Well then we're going to take one more short break. And when we come back, we will be discussing star Trek, lower decks, episode nine crisis point.
1: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void rep prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: All right. And we are back to talk crisis point episode nine of Star Trek lower decks, which means we only have one episode left of season one for this animated show. So spoiler alerts for episode nine at this point before we dive into it though like zach can you believe that we only have one episode left
1: it's it's flown by it's pretty pretty incredible right but, like and it's it's definitely built momentum as it's gone
0: mm-hmm. yeah i totally agree and it just feels so fast like discoveries had two relatively short seasons 15 and was it 13 or 14 and so, yeah you know picard was 10 but like this seems like it just flew by
1: oh yeah it, it really did um And I mean, yeah, shorter episodes I think is part of it, but you know, also only being ten episodes is you know ten episodes of a shorter series. I hope that you know, I hope for season two they get a bigger order and a bigger budget so they can you know keep up with that.
0: Yeah, I don't know what to expect. I mean, season two's already been in production, you know, because they they signed on two seasons from the get go, and I would imagine it's probably going to be about the same.
1: I would assume so. I mean, it's it's a similar length uh to rick and morty season which you know is kind of a spiritual successor with dan mcmahon or mm. uh, yeah mike mcmahon mike mcmahon thank you i was like i know that doesn't sound right
0: yeah no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there so so crisis point crisis point is our first full-fledged dedicated holodeck episode We've yeah. we've had holodeck stuff Right. You had the badgy storyline and some other things, but this is the first that's like a hundred percent dedicated to a holodeck story.
1: It was, and it was full of references to all things Trek beforehand. I also thought it was quite striking because we've talked about this on the show before. This isn't a kid's show and yet the choice to bleep out words, it seemed weird. Now in the episode that we just discussed previously, Veritas, um, uh, they, they went overboard on the bleeps to the point where it was funny. Like, they were bleeping out so many things that, that Ransom was saying. Um, at, at certain moments, you're like, okay, like, they're obviously describing some sort of, like, at, at, the one scene in particular I'm thinking about, they're obviously describing um, the parasite that attacks your genitals and, you know, you know, terrible way to die and all that. And it was funny. It was over the top. But uh, Crisis Point was a also a turning point for the show in that they didn't bleep all of the swear words.
0: Yeah, there is definitely a shift and you're right about Veritas and there's some, there's some extra humor in Veritas because it's, it's not so much bleeped for the language. It's redacted for it being covert, you know, like top secret information, right? So that's kind of more where the joke plays in, but they have bleeped out just normal curse words in Lower Decks. And I'm assuming it's because it's still a cartoon, right? Like at the end of the day, we can say all we want that this is made for adults. Like South Park is not a children's cartoon no right but this is on the cbs all access app it's with all of the other star trek it's with a ton of other cartoons that are kid friendly and i think Mm -hmm. they just wanted to cover their bases and just make it pretty chill like there's not really sexual conduct in lower decks right Mm -hmm. there's no nudity there's no real sexual situations there's no like intense violence and, and things like that that that's like really real with lots of blood really um, sure. with a couple of a couple of exceptions but again it's cartoons right so i think that's it Wherein in like discovery it's a darker show to begin with it's live action it's you know just across the board a more adult theme and so they've cursed a couple of times
1: yeah which is why crisis point was all the more striking all of a sudden now they're they're not bleeping out most of the most of the swear words
0: mm-hmm So the whole premise here is that, yet again, Mariner is screwing things up and not doing her job well, and Captain Freeman has decided to put her in therapy rather than the brig or to kick her (laughs) off the ship. And so she has to go to therapy and she's very frustrated about this. But at the same time, Boimler is trying to prepare for an interview with Freeman. And so he has decided to build the entire crew inside of the holodeck so he can gauge their reactions, which is very Barkley of him uh, to, to do. Though, I guess he I mean, he didn't twist any of them or anything like that to make himself like some big hero. He really wanted a real simulation. So credit to Boimler for that. And Mariner can't leave well enough alone and decides to hack the whole, not hack, but decides to manipulate the entire system and create a movie that she can star in. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say this
1: episode was a lot of fun.
0: Oh yeah. 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 This is just a ride straight through from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And there's a million references in here. There's no way we can cover all of them. There's some that are more obvious than others. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you've got, well the, the most obvious one is the lens flare
1: yes it, it's obvious but it's also a little subtle like is
0: um,
1: it? <laughs> i mean no it's not subtle in the fact that it's it's i mean they definitely went overboard it's it's subtle in the fact that like they don't actually discuss it they're just they're shoving it in your face um the whole um and it looks like it was made on a, a on an old film like it's gonna yes. be, they, ad- they added some greeniness which was a nice touch mm-hmm. um the um the way the, they had to dodge the credits at the beginning because when kept getting hit in the head as the words that the names flew by. That was funny. That was fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the lens flare was great, you know, cause that's been something that a lot of people made fun of the Kelvin films for, mm-hmm. you know, and they, this, this episode is designed specifically to poke fun at star Trek tropes. Yes. Right. And the best one for me in this, the number one joke in this I think episode, I know what you're <laughs> I'm curious, I'm curious if, if you'll guess or not. It is the introduction to the Ceratos.
1: Yep, that's what I was going to say.
0: Because, was, they're in, oh man, they're in the little <laughs> shuttle and they're, they're showing the Ceratos from all these different angles and shots and pans, and they've got the music playing, and it's all like almost exactly like. The films,
1: motion picture, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, not just the motion picture, but also, well, sure, you know, in uh, the end of uh, the, the voyage home, right? That's a good and, point, and, yeah. Uh, you know, and where they're introduced to the Enterprise A for the first time, and even mm-hmm. the music was almost that music, but right. it was like lower dexified.
1: Sure. I think primarily of the motion picture simply because that's one of the longest scenes in in, in the movie, or it feels very long when you're watching it. And it just, it's gratuitous. And now, you know, if you're not familiar, you know, for you guys listening, the, you know, behind the scenes reason is that you had the original series and they didn't have a great budget and and what they could show of ships and the models was not great. So they get greenlit for this movie and they go all out. Like the the scene and and the motion picture is just straight up gratuitous. I felt like they take more than a couple of laps around the ship just to, to, you know, gawk at her. And you've got Scotty, you know, looking like he's getting a little emotional and talking about how beautiful she is. And like, and then like, they really hammed it up with, you know, them going around the ship multiple times and, you know, in, in lower decks, I, 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 I don't know. I was cracking up the whole time.
0: It's yeah. It's just really, really solid across the board because that that scene is so iconic and it's been made fun of before. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Spaceballs even makes fun of it to an extent.
1: That's true.
0: You know, and so like that's not new, but the way they did this in an animated feature where like there's no they're not showing off their amazing high quality models or anything like that right no and no. it's just it was just great you know and you've got everybody is just you know in, in awe of the ship and uh you know Billups is like crying <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you, know, you know as the as the engineer and everything it it just hit really really well it did do you have oh. a favorite like Reference Easter egg joke type thing from this. Oh man,
1: I wrote down a few. Um, if I had to pick a favorite, um, I don't know, I, f- I felt like the whole movie, on top of reminding me a bit of the holodeck movie episodes, uh, uh, from uh Voyager, specifically, um, the black and white one
0: Captain Proton,
1: yeah, Captain Proton. Um, not only, not only that, but I was getting a lot of, like, Wrath of Khan and and Animus's vibes, and one of my favorite moments is when the copy of Mariner comes in and beams out Captain um, Freeman. really bad with namesake. Freeman, thank you. You Uh, Blinks, uh, but, uh, you know, beams out Captain Freeman and then confronts, uh, you know, the real and kind of, quote, evil uh, uh, Mariner. And, and it, that, that felt very much like nemesis, you know, data saving Picard. And um, yeah, it, the whole confrontation was fun. So many references. That was a lot of fun. Um, the random sighting of Da Vinci or sightings, <laughs> plural, like, gosh, like so much stuff. What, what about you? Do you have a favorite reference?
0: Well, the, the, my, my, my favorites, definitely the, the, the ship intro, but the Da Vinci <laughs> piece is really great because if you don't know Voyager well, it's kind of meaningless Mm -hmm. and it's just random. You're like, what the hell is Da Vinci doing here? But then when you've seen Voyager, you're like, Oh, it's so funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) And I mean, and if if you're listening and you don't, you don't really know Voyager well, you must be like, what the hell is he talking about? That makes no sense because it does seem weird that that would be a thing in Voyager, but it is, it is. is. So that's really great. I think there's just, there's a lot in here that's really solid. And I, and it's, it's like a homage to Star Trek, right? you got, you know, she's, she's quoting the Tempest, which is like such an uh, undiscovered country kind of thing to do, right? Where mm-hmm. it's all, you know, cl- it's all Shakespeare and, you know, very um, just over the top overly dramatic kind of cheesy at times but then because it's animated and they don't have to worry about budget there's some really great set pieces in here when the Ceratos crashes and the fight scenes take place on the ship on its like side and they're like walking on the glass view screen as it's cracking and everything and they're climbing yeah. on the chairs and the consoles like it's just really cool to see and something that would be so difficult and expensive for them to do in any of the live action shows
1: mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it would have it, it, it bankrupt their budget.
0: Right. And so alone. I love that. I think that whole sequence is super cool. And watching Mariner fight herself, you know, it's it's maybe it's a little heavy handed, but Star Trek metaphors tend to be a little heavy handed. Right. It's sure. so, like she doesn't want therapy, but here she is literally fighting herself.
1: Right. She's having a, a fun therapy adventure, basically.
0: And it's cool. It's nice. It, it lets her see who she is from the outside. Mm hmm. Right, and maybe she doesn't want to admit to herself that she really cares. Yeah, you know, yeah. she just wants to be the the hard ass, but she's not. That's not who she really is at, at her core.
1: Right, and then she had this opportunity to play out this villainous fantasy uh, to show her that she, you know, that that's not who she is, and and to kind of realign her with her core values. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a good character moment for her. Um, I anticipate, or I hope we see growth moving forward as the show develops. We've talked about it before. I would love to see her eventually end up in command.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and now we've got a whole wrench in the situation because at the tail end of the episode, Boimler finds out that Mariner is Freeman's daughter and that this has all been kept right. secret.
1: Which I didn't even know that it was a secret, to be honest.
0: I knew that it wasn't being broadcast, but it never occurred to me that like nobody knew.
1: Yeah. So that took me aback. I was like, uh, it, it, that, that would have landed a little bit more, you know, had I known this was a secret.
0: Well, it was just, it, it caught me off guard a bit and now we have to deal with that situation. Right. And so, you know, if you <laughs> saw the preview for episode 10, you, you know, that Boimler confronts Mariner about it to let her know that he, he knows. And I'm sure that that will make things very complicated. Yeah. You know, and so I I almost feel like we're going to get some type of cliffhanger scenario where maybe Mariner is forced off the ship.
1: Yeah, that could be like, you know, forced off the ship, you know, and then she'll be back and then, but we have to wait for the next season.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe there's a situation where you can't captain your own children.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Starfleet protocols on that.
0: Well, you know, captain's captain is not really supposed to fraternize with the crew. And so I would imagine no. having offspring under your command wouldn't be that different unless you're a generational ship.
1: Right. Uh, you're in certain circumstances, you're allowed to have your family with you on the ship, but right. not in, within your command.
0: Exactly. And it's and like, it's an obvious
1: conflict of interest because, you know, if you have to command someone to their death and you don't want to do that because it's your family and someone else gets the can like that's, you know, and, and Star Trek has, has addressed that before, too.
0: And it's not something that comes up a ton because really the only parent-child relationship we know otherwise is Crusher and Wesley, mm-hmm. right? And she's the chief medical officer. He's not even an off and an, actually in Starfleet for much of the show. And when he finally is, he's a bridge crewman. He's a yeah. navigator. He's a comms officer. And so they're not directly under the same chain of command.
1: Right, right. You
0: know, so I think that that's how they sidestep it.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. D- different departments. You can, you can work with family at a new job, but maybe not in the same department.
0: Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, you know, this episode, there's obviously a lot of action in it more than anything. It's, it's very action heavy. We do yeah, get,
1: it felt like a movie.
0: It did. Exactly. Yeah. And we have some other storylines here with Rutherford and Tendi. So Tendi's story is very interesting and I'm glad they finally did something about this because she's Orion. Yeah. And we get very little of the Orions in Star Trek. They're in the original series briefly. They're in Enterprise briefly. And they're in Discovery briefly. Mm -hmm. And that's basically it. They're not in TNG, DS9, or Voyager, other than, like, references to them. So we don't know much about them. And Enterprise really retconned a lot of who they are to, to make them less sexual and to make the women less submissive. and I think that, that that was a good decision, but we still know very little about them. And so here we have what we believe is the first Orion in Starfleet anyway. And she's you know, very t- she's not aggressive and she's not you know overly sexualized and she's highly intelligent and uh, fiercely loyal and all those types of things. And now Mariner makes her like the Orion pirate you know, warrior type.
1: Yes. And she's noticeably discomfort, uh, uncomfortable with it the whole time.
0: Yes. And I think that this is an important thing to put out there that there are stereotypes about Orion's that the show is totally ignored and mm-hmm. she doesn't fit those stereotypes.
1: Right. Which goes back to our discussion from the last episode about racism and Trek and, and being able to address uh, address that as it comes up and, and also making room for the discussion of you've got generalizations of a certain race or species but um, individual characters, individual beings are, you know, they don't always fit that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, they're supposed to be friends at this point. And so it kind of also shows how off the rails Mariner is going. Right.
1: She's not picking up that her friend's uncomfortable and just kind of using her friend as a prop in this therapy fantasy.
0: Exactly. Yes. hundred percent. And so eventually Tendy just quits. She's mm-hmm. up and like, I'm not doing this. I'm done. And she walks out. And I think that that's an important character moment for her yeah. and it's one of the more serious moments in the show, even mm-hmm. though it's it's kind of glossed over because it's boxed into this you know, over the top almost parody episode sure, but it's a very real character moment for her to stand up for herself to stand up for who she is and why you know not all Orions are the same
1: yeah absolutely that was it was a nice touch
0: mm-hmm. Well, then you have rutherford rutherford's story is also a little different he ends up basically in engineering with his boss while a holodeck version (laughs) of his boss and basically plays himself even Mm -hmm. though he's supposed to be a space pirate which is pretty cute kind of showing that like that's just who he is he is a friendly likable guy who's very good at his job and that's really all he wants to do yeah yeah
1: and it was cute um it was funny like oh I can finally tell my boss what I think of him and (laughs) my brain's going a completely different direction because if I were in that situation I would have less admiration and less kind words to share with my superior but he uh yeah he just wanted to admire this guy and like attendee aside the three main characters all kind of got to live out this like authority figure fantasy with Boimler it's a bit more um research you know how to be impressive but they, they all got to you know interact with their superior officers in a way that was therapeutic for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Boimler's story is kind of the same. It's been the entire time, right? He right. is a bit of a, of an ass kisser, mm-hmm. you know, and he wants to make his way up to the top and he doesn't mind schmoozing to do that. And that's exactly what's happening here is he's trying to discover what the right answers are to very subjective things where right. there isn't necessarily a right answer there are there are wrong answers but there's not necessarily one right answer
1: and so much of it is contextual like you know you could say one, the same thing to one person at two different times and you're going to get a completely different reaction mm-hmm. so and I, I don't as advanced as this holodeck program is i doubt it um, uh, factors that
0: in i would imagine not you know again it's only based off of personal logs and what that what they've said in those personal logs. And you know, it, it does highlight a bit of a privacy issue that Star Trek has kind of walked over for holodeck yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Because think about the holodecks for a minute and what that means. You can create any person on the holodeck
1: mm-hmm. as long as
0: you've got some reference photos. And then you can change their personality into anything you want it to be. Right. right. So in this case, Boimler's trying to be on the up and up and he's feeding you know real Personal information, which he probably shouldn't even have access to. Yeah. It seems like a lot of
1: captain's logs are public record for whatever reason, but that's weird to me.
0: Well, there's captains, there's the official logs, and then there's personal logs. And the personal logs are supposed to be private. The, The official logs are not private.
1: Okay. I guess that makes more sense.
0: You know, so like when you open up an episode and you hear, you know, captain's log, unless there's something where they say confidential, Mm-hmm. It's a it's just a public log for anybody in Starfleet who has access to said sure. logs. Sure. Um but Boimler's using private personal logs. I don't even know how he got access to them and that's a little sketchy. Nobody really yeah. calls him out on it? No. Yeah, that it was weird. You know, but this also just just highlights that problem of you can create a person and you can change their personality. So if there's a person that you want to have a romantic situation with and they're not interested in you in the real world, you can yeah. tinker with a hollow version of them. And I got Jordy in trouble. It did get Jordy in trouble. It absolutely did. And he wasn't even necessarily doing it intentionally. He kind of, he kind of fell down a rabbit hole. But people have done yeah. these things intentionally. Look at what Barkley does.
1: Yes. Oh gosh.
0: <laughs> you know, Barkley does this uh, big time, where he creates. You know, the 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 women characters love him, and the guy characters are afraid of him, or, or whatever. You know, and he makes Riker shorter and and things like that, just so he can yeah. be the, the you know, lack of a better term, the big guy on campus. And it sh- it highlights an ethical issue with Holodex. Very much so. So, you know, there's it's 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 an interesting topic.
1: Very much, yeah, I would agree.
0: So, so there's all that stuff. So there's lots of that going on, and again, it's just a very action-heavy episode. Where at the end of the day, it's about Mariner. She comes to the 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 resolution that she does care. She cares about her mom. She cares about her crewmates in this ship, and she will do whatever it takes. To protect those people. And that's a big breakthrough for her. But then, of course, we can't just have a character have a breakthrough because this is a comedy. So then her mother, Captain Freeman, thinks that something's up and she's planning mm-hmm. something and she needs to know what her daughter is planning. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, this opportunity to have these characters grow closer together doesn't doesn't quite make it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a lack of trust there that, you know, has been exploited for the story up to this point and, and will probably continue to be a running thing. I am interested to see how they resolve and or, you know, uh, resolve this season and set up the next season the mm-hmm. next week. Yep. But I also like in the program, it's in the, you know, in the episode itself, like the credits, um, you've got the, the characters signing their names, which is very, of course, reminiscent of uh, Undiscovered Country
0: yes i thought that was wonderful
1: was so many nice
0: nods yeah like this basically was just a parody of star trek films mm-hmm. at the end yeah. of the day. and that was really nice
1: it was like a 25 minute long galaxy quest
0: <laughs> you know in a lot of ways i think you're right in a lot of ways uh there's some other references in here that are really small for example mariner mentions a character named zon who was supposed to be the replacement for Spock in the never picked up star Trek phase two series.
1: Yeah. I had to Google that. Cause I paused. I was like, uh, what is she talking about?
0: Yeah. I, uh, it's a very small reference. It's only one that I'm aware of because I've, I've looked into what phase two was supposed to be quite a bit because they ended up repurposing a lot of phase two scripts for the early TNG
1: they did first two
0: seasons because of the writer's strike and also the motion picture really was brought out from the 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 premiere of phase two what phase two was supposed to be so there's some cool stuff in there you know the now this is something that i got off of memory alpha and i did not notice this myself but it goes back to the galaxy quest comment that you made zach which is when the film quote starts the rise of vindicta the aspect ratio changes to reflect more of a movie than a TV show. And I didn't even notice it.
1: I didn't either. Like I could tell the the film quality, you know, or the the pretend film quality changed uh, to be more theatrical, but I, I didn't catch that, but yeah, that's, that's cool. That's uh, also what galaxy quest did.
0: Yeah. Galaxy quest. For those who don't know, the original version has three different aspect ratios, so you start in a four three aspect ratio when it's the TV show and then it moves out to a more standard film ratio until
1: mm-hmm.
0: until he until um, he realizes that this is all real when the the bay doors open and he can see space as the bay doors open, the screen widens out to the full wide screen you see in modern theaters and so it's a really cool note. Right. And this does, this does a similar thing, which is just super cool that I definitely did not notice.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that, that went over my head too. Yeah.
0: There's, you know, there's some other little things in here. You've got the, the fo the uh, photon torpedo tube that crashes. It's very much like Spock's tube, you know, which is cute. And uh, you know, lots of references to, yeah, you know, the Klingon type stuff or Khan with the wave, and is does kind of like uh, monologuing at at times, things of that nature. So just some fun stuff overall. But I, I I can't get over the the parody involved here. Showing off the Cerritos is just a wonderful moment. It is. The music really is. is great. The character reactions are great. It's just it's just fun. And this was a nice change of pace, I think. You know, to really break out.
1: I, I agree. I agree. It was a nice, um, and, and I mean, I doubt we're going to get super heavy for a, a cartoon show that is, you know, comedically based, but, um, it's also very in line with a lot of other Trek and a lot of other shows in general that, you know, there, there's a lighthearted episode before maybe a, a more heavy, uh, more serious fantasy season finale. So a little bit of quiet before the storm. I mean, either way, like you said, I'm with you, I think we're probably going to get a cliffhanger next week. So,
0: yeah. So, yeah seems likely seems likely well is there anything else that you want to touch on for crisis point um this episode contains my
1: new favorite insult uh captain's little dick wig <laughs> but that made fair me enough. laugh fair but enough yeah no it was just it was a lot of fun uh glad glad to be watching it uh but yeah i didn't have it much of anything serious else to add
0: I think uh, one of my favorite quotes from the episode is actually Shax, where he goes, when you get to hell, tell the Paw Wraiths that Shax sent you.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I I, I liked that, uh, the Paw Wraiths uh, yeah. reference there.
0: Very good. Because, you know, Shaq's being a Bajoran, there's, they have a ton to pull from that, thanks to DS9. And this was a great, great opportunity to do it. It was, yes. You know, so, Cool. Well, then I think this is a good time to wrap up the conversation before we meander too much. I think so. Awesome. Well, next week we will be back uh, on Tuesday. We've kind of shifted to Tuesday for these these couple episodes here to just kind of wrap things up for Star Trek Lower Decks. We will discuss episode 10 as well as our final thoughts on the season as a whole and maybe a little bit about what we want to see coming in star trek discovery season three as that begins on october 15th we are less than two weeks away from new discovery so time for a disco party it's uh, happening
1: it's <laughs> happening there
0: <laughs> uh, zach if people want to talk about star trek with you or whatever how can they do that
1: yeah you can find me on twitter at Avengerzs.
0: And I'm, of course, the Star Trek dude. Come talk to me out there. You can talk Trek, video games, movies, what have you. We are Redshirts and Runabouts on the Heroes Podcast Network. You can find us at Redshirts Pod on Twitter or heroespodcasts.com. Please join our Facebook group, Redshirts and Runabouts on Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash Redshirts and Runabouts. We post memes and news and polls and discussion threads, all that kind of good stuff. So come talk Trek with us otherwise subscribe listen join us next week for the finale of star trek lower decks live long and prosper